Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we continue the God of Miracles series. If you love Jesus, would you give him a shout of praise? Oh, y'all know how I'm rocking. Y'all already know how I'm rocking. If you love Jesus, would you give him a shout of praise? Because I'm looking for some people that don't need to wait for an altar call. I'm looking for some people who said, I got my miracle while I was worshiping. I'm looking for some people that said that testimony was enough for me. So if you love the Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, open up your mouth and give Jesus a shout of praise in the room. Man, I am so excited to be back with y'all. Um... Like, I'm, 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 I'm telling you right now, I'm full. So uh, I'm going to preach for the next three hours and 26 minutes. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. Thank you for the one person that's okay with me preaching that long. <laughs> Man, um, first of all, I want to honor Tim. Man, Tim is the best person on the planet. I mean that. This is what I mean by that, because... Tim is even better than he is, like, Tim is better off the stage than he is on the stage. If you've had any encounter with Tim, um, man, then you know that his preaching is phenomenal. He's literally one of the best communicators of the gospel in the world, but he's an even better person. He's a better husband. He's a better father than he is a communicator, and, and I just think that we should honor him because I know for a fact, I know for a fact that he's watching. So, Tim, we love you. I love you. I love this church. Juliet, I love you. And I thank y'all for trusting me up here. Um, is it all right if we get right into the word? Yes. Y'all sure? Yes. Man, how, how's, how's worship been the last? Man, has worship been crazy? Like, it's been, I mean, for those of y'all, don't, I mean, I would say worship is going stupid. <laughs> but like, some of y'all would think I'm like bashing worship. That's just slang. That means that it's really, really good, okay? For those of y'all that don't understand colloquialisms, um, I'm going to go to 2 Kings chapter number 5. Man, wasn't Cobb amazing last week? Man, I needed that word. Can we make some noise for Cobb? Is he, is he in the room? Yep, Cobb's right here. Y'all make some noise for Cobb's message last week. That was incredible. I literally was like, okay, <laughs> When we, when we were told the lineup, I was like, man, as long as I don't have to go after the Kazadis. So I have to go after at least one of them. So it's kind of 50-50. I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? I can, I can make it through one. I can't make it through both of y'all. <laughs> nah, but uh, 2 Kings chapter number 5. While you're looking for that, man, I just cannot get that. A miracle can happen now. I cannot get that out of my head. See, sometimes we come to church and we think that there's a format before you get something that you need from God. You think it's like, okay, I got to worship, and then I'm going to hear a good word, and then I'm going to do an altar call, and I'm going to get what I need. And some of y'all don't even realize that you got what you needed during worship. The word was for somebody else. Now, I'm not saying you can go home. <laughs> you got to stay for the rest. But for some of us, we've already gotten what we needed and we don't realize it. So you got 2 Kings chapter 5? You got it? I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's one of those days. I'm going to start in the first verse. It says this. Now Naaman, commander of the army, king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened. 
When the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. And he shall know that there was a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away. Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and Afarpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. And his servants came near and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Can we pray? Is that all right to pray in church? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to serve, to opportunity to preach, to opportunity to, to speak, God. These are your people. This is your word. This is your message. God, come get your glory. God, I pray that you would do a miracle now. God, before I finish a prayer, just let people start to receive miracles. God, before I finish praying, that people would start to see things happen. Before I finish praying, God, that someone would get text messages about a positive report. God, somebody would get a, a, a positive miracle. God, I thank you right now that you are moving actively. God, it's not when I hit key points, but God, it's when you say so. So Lord, say so right now in Jesus' name. Somebody that believed it said... Amen. Amen. I want to start in the first verse because I, I, I think it's important for us to dissect this, this, this text. The first verse, it says this. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army, king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Watch this. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, comma, but. He was also a mighty man of valor, comma, but. A leper. He was also a mighty man of valor, comma, but a leper, comma, but. See, but is a conjunction. It's tying two axioms, two clauses together that may juxtapose, that may contradict each other. They, 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 these things don't really make sense. How is it that we see Naaman, the Bible goes on in detail to say that he's a great, that he's an honorable, that he's mighty, that he's a man, and that he's a valor, comma, but, conjunction, a leper, comma, but, so before you said, I don't have a skin disease, I don't have leprosy, this is your qualifier. Because we all have a comma but in our lives. We all have a bunch of stuff that we can be defined by, and then we have a comma but that we also disqualify ourselves by. We have a comma but in our lives. Maybe, maybe you don't know what yours looks like. Oh, let me, let me illustrate it like this. We're, we're tithing, but... We're struggling financially. We're kind, but we're battling with cancer. We're, we're gifted, but we're insecure. We're loving, but we're lonely. We're wonderfully made, but frankly, we're worried. We're full of light, but we're fearful. Naaman was a great, honorable, mighty man of valor, but was a leper. Let me give you a quick little theology lesson here. Leprosy actually in the Bible meant skin disease, but the leprosy that the Bible refers to actually doesn't match with modern medicine's definition anymore. So leprosy in the Bible actually was referring to a skin disease that actually was like mold and, and, and it would cause the skin to flake and fall off. As a matter of fact, the word for leprosy there also means clothing. So imagine your condition looking so bad that it looks like you have on more clothing than you already have. The mold on your skin starts to clothe your body. That's what leprosy is, is in the Bible. I need to, needed you to understand that picture because sometimes our pain is inward, but sometimes it's outward enough to be noticed. 
That's what leprosy is. So this is your qualifier. This is your qualifier. The problem is with this comma, but we tend to look at ourselves through the scripture like this. We look at it backwards. We say, I'm a leper, but at least I'm loving. I'm struggling financially, but at least I'm tithing. I'm a leper, but at least I'm great and honorable and a mighty man of valor. We tend to look at ourselves through the scripture. We look at it backwards. And that's how humanity works. But here's what I believe. I believe that God wanted you to know that Naaman was a great, honorable, mighty man of valor because he wants to convey that your character is more important than your condition. I'll say that again. He wants to convey that your character is more important than your condition. The comma but came after the character was defined. We learn Naaman's name. We learn who he was. We learn how he did things way before we learned his condition. The problem is you're defining yourself by your condition and forgetting about your character. Somewhere along the, along the way, somewhere along the lines, you forgot your name. You forgot... Because the Bible's not this clear about everybody. Sometimes the Bible will just be like, a man. Sometimes it'll be like, a woman. Sometimes it'll be like, he. <laughs> but Naaman gets a name. He gets a, he gets a, a description of his character. Because God wants to convey to you that your character is more important than your condition. Listen, my first question is, what is God calling you? Do you remember? Do you remember what he's calling you? What is he saying about you? What is it that he wants to remind you of? What is he repeating over you? What is he continually saying? Because I can guarantee you that it's not failure or lost cause. I can guarantee you that it's not leper. I can guarantee you that he's not calling you by your condition. He's calling you by name. And I don't know who you are or what you got going on, and I don't know your name, but I think you need to be grateful that the one who created the universe does know your name, does know your character, and chooses to remind you of it in spite of your condition. If anything like me, if you're anything like me, this forces me to ask some questions. And I ask a lot of questions. I've been asking a lot of questions since I was a kid. My family used to call me Thousand Questions. I ask questions. I mean, I used to ask random stuff. I asked random stuff like, why do round pizzas come in square boxes and get cut into triangles? <laughs> I ask questions like, if you eat a firefly, is it spicy? Like, that's a good question. Y'all, have you ever ate a firefly? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'd be asking questions. Some of my questions are a lot less silly, though. But we're afraid to ask those questions. We're afraid to ask God questions because somewhere along the lines, we've been taught that asking God questions was wrong or sinful. Let me give you some more theology. Is that all right? Jesus on the cross was stretched out. He says, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani. In other words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If asking questions is sinful, that would make Jesus a sinner and Jesus would not be the Messiah and I'm up here wasting my time. You can ask questions. His lungs were collapsing. Questions don't mean that there's a problem sometimes. Questions sometimes just mean that you're human. Questions just means that you feel the weight of your humanity and the lack inside of your brain and you have a curiosity that sparks and you open up your mouth to express that curiosity. That's all that questions mean. If God was intimidated by your questions, he would be petty. If God was intimidated by your questions, he, would, he, he wouldn't be God. If God wasn't intimidated by your questions, then your relationship with him would be void because he didn't create you with the capacity to know all that he knows. He created you with a deficit between he and you so that you could ask those questions. But another question that I find that a lot of people ask when they're trying to figure out their, this faith they're trying to figure out their faith. Say, God, if you love me, if you love us, why is there pain? Why is there pain? You see, pain has no prejudice. You see, pain is not picky. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, watch what it says. It says that he makes his sun rise on the good and on the evil, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Pain is not picky. You still don't believe me. John 16, says that these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, comma, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Two things that juxtapose, comma, but. You will have pain. But you can have Jesus in, in the presence of that pain. You get to have Jesus in the presence of your pain. So one of the questions, and I'm not smart enough to know them all. One of the questions, one of the answers to that question, why is there pain? I feel like is this. It's because without the presence of pain, we will never know the heavenliness of healing. Without the presence of pain, we will never know the heavenliness of healing. If everything was perfect, you wouldn't be able to sing a song about how a miracle could happen right now. If everything was perfect, you wouldn't understand the, the beauty of going through something and waiting on God and then watching him deliver on it. Because you would already have it in the end. My fear would be if everything was perfect, you wouldn't need them and we would never have a relationship with God. There's some lessons that you don't learn at the top. There's some stuff you only learn at the bottom. There's some stuff you only learn when you're struggling. There's some stuff you only learn when you need God for something. There's some stuff you only learn when you're hurting. So it is my mission, my intent, and my assignment to unpack the title of this message today. The title of this message is The Anatomy of Healing. The anatomy of healing. The anatomy of healing. And I believe that one of the questions that God wants to answer for you today is how do I identify healing and what does it look like for me? Because you do know after all that one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, right? Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, or Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals in, in Hebrew. This is God's very nature. His name and his nature is a promise. The God who heals, that doesn't mean that he's just capable of healing. It means that he's willing to heal. Mm. Healing, the anatomy of healing. Point number one, please write this down. We're going to spend some time here. Healing is a journey. Healing is a miracle journey. You heard Michelle testify. You heard how long it took for her to get to that place. Healing is a miracle journey. This kind of healing makes you better than where you were when you started, though. The journey oftentimes looks like this. It takes four steps. It's, it takes awareness. It takes assessment. It takes admission. And it takes acceptance. That's what, that's what the healing journey looks like. I'll show you 2 Kings chapter number 5, verse 2. I'll read it to you again. It says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, verse 3. It says, then she said to her mistress, if only my master was with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Verse 4, and Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. He shows awareness of his problem by accepting the advice of somebody who serves him. Awareness, acceptance. And then by going to tell the king, Naaman was admitting he had a problem that he knew he could not solve. Could you imagine what Naaman had been through? We don't know exactly how long he had leprosy. But we have to assume that it was a long time for other people to notice it this way. So I wanted to check and see how far Naaman had to go to get to Samaria. So I pulled up handy-dandy Google. And then you know how you can put in like two destinations? It takes 328 miles for us today to drive between where jo the Jordan River is and Syria. Naaman was on a horse. Bible says that he took 10 sets of clothing. The money that he took, the, the, the 6,000 shekels of gold, the 10 talents of silver, that's not important to me. Because Naaman thought that he could buy a miracle. Naaman was taking the money because he thought that this was going to be a transaction. 
Naaman was taking the money because he thought that he could pull up to the, to the prophet and he's, I can take you some money and you can do some stuff for me and then I'm going to be healed. And no, 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 no. The thing that's important to me is the 10 changes of clothing. Naaman took 10 changes of clothing because this was a journey between where he was and where he needed to be. He had to change. He had to change clothes. It took him days to get to where he was. The Bible says that it was, I'm sorry, it, Google says that it was 328 miles. It took Naaman 328 miles and 10 changes of clothing for the possibility to be healed. Do you know how desperate you got to be to go that far for the possibility? I don't know if you've ever been desperate. But, 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 but have you seen these shows where, where you get desperate, where, where they get desperate in the desert and they start eating like bugs and you know, like man versus wild and they magically know what all of these insects are and which ones give you the most protein? Like, how do you know this? Like, you belong in the wild. Like, you're trying to defeat the wild. Like, no, that's your home. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you need to stay there. Like, this bug is going to give me six grams of protein in every bite. And he just like breaks it open. It's disgusting. Yeah, I know. But Naaman went that far for the possibility. Imagine how many times he's tried this already. Imagine how many times he had tried this already. 328 miles. He had to try it. He's taking advice from somebody who serves him. He's the commander, not a commander, the commander of the Syrian army. That means he's a top dog. And he's taking the advice of somebody who serves his wife. This is how desperate Naaman was. My question to you is how far are you willing to go? Because even though God won't make you pay for a miracle, he will make you travel for one. God won't make you pay for a miracle. He will make you travel for one. It might not happen. You've been praying for peace. It might not happen until you get up and leave your job and take the one that pays less. You, 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 you've been wanting a healing in your marriage. It might not happen until you get up and go to eight sessions of counseling. Healing is a miracle journey. That means you have to continue going. How far are you willing to go for the possibility? Because if we're honest, everything you tried on your own ain't working anyway. Can we be honest? Everything you tried on your own is not working anyway. I've walked with God long enough to know that divine intervention is always paired with humanity's, with humanity's responsibility. That means that God's hand in your life will always make you move your feet. God's hand in your life will always make you move your feet. He will not make you pay for a miracle because there is no price for one. But what he will make you do is get up and move. He will make you get up and walk. He will make you get up and go. He will say, go back and apologize. He will say, go and confess. He will say, you know what? You need to talk to them. He will say, go and reconcile that relationship because God's hand in your life will always make you move your feet. Healing is a journey, 328 miles. I wonder if Naaman is recalling all the times that the kids pointed at him and laughed, 328 miles. I wonder if he's thinking about all of the, the people that laughed at him as he rose through the ranks in the military to get to be at the top position. They were joking about him and laughing at him and, and, and toying with him and didn't want to be around him and literally treated him like a leper. But if you're on the journey, can I encourage you with one simple thing? Keep on going. If you're on the journey, keep going. Counseling ain't work yet, Devontae. Well, guess what? Keep going. You know what? I haven't gotten what I needed out of church yet. Keep on going. And if it ain't to this church, keep on going somewhere, but just go somewhere. Keep on going. How would you act if I told you that your miracle was on the other side of your endurance? How would you be if I told you that your miracle was on the other side of your endurance? You just got to keep going. It's not that you needed to do something else. It's that you needed to continue to move. If anybody knows this, it's me. Is it all right if I be vulnerable? My wife and I.
We said we would wait two years before we had a baby. On our two-year anniversary, we found out we were pregnant. A couple of weeks later, we were having a miscarriage. And we tried, and we tried, and we tried, and we tried, and we tried. And here's what's special to show you how God works. We had to continue to try. I remember telling the fertility doctor, he told us that we had a 2% chance of getting pregnant on our own. Two. He showed us a chart that said normal people are here. He said, but y'all are here. So you're going to need help. It's not a matter of how much help you, it's not a matter of if you'll need help, it's how much help you'll actually need. And I was like, but I believe that God's going to do this. And fast forward. The day that we were supposed to go in, we, were, we, were, we said that we would try for a certain amount of time, and we did, and nothing happened. And the day that we had appointment scheduled to go get help, we found out we were pregnant that morning. And my wife is 24 weeks pregnant on Wednesday right now because we continued to go. But that's, that's just part of the journey. In the middle of being pregnant, I also battle with mental health. The worst depression that I've ever been in. Diagnosed with bipolar. Me, up here before y'all. And some things, I did the praying. I did the waiting. I did the fasting. We did the deliverance. And I still battle with mental health. But sometimes... You got to understand that your miracle is on the other side of your endurance. And it doesn't always look the way that you thought it was going to look. I had to delete the stigma of medication because I needed it. And God can do a miracle through medication. It's not that you had to stop. It's not that you had to, to, to neglect all of these things. God can do a miracle naturally. He can do a miracle supernaturally. He can also use resources that we already have. And I'm believing God for that miracle for my mind. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep on going. In the meantime, I'm going to continue to go. In the meantime, I'm going to continue to walk. In the meantime, I'm going to continue to go to counseling. I'm going to continue to talk to my wife and talk to my, my support system. Why? Because healing is a journey. Amen. Point number two. This point is imperative. Healing is peaceful. Healing is peaceful. It's imperative for you to get why because I said healing is peaceful. I didn't say healing always feels good. Because sometimes there's some rehab and some therapy involved. If anybody that knows that, that maybe have torn a ligament in their body or broken a bone knows that the healing process sometimes looks like taking baby steps that hurt. But healing is peaceful. Healing is peaceful. The reason that some of us have not experienced the fullness of God's peace is because we have yet to try to understand it. And the Bible tells us that we cannot fully understand God's peace, evident in the fact that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. But we do have to understand some elements of it because once we get some elements of peace, we'll get some of the elements of healing. Let me, point, let me illustrate it like this. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a position. I'll say that again. Peace is not an emotion that you feel. It's a position that you have. That's the reason that Jesus could be in the middle of a storm and sleep. Because it wasn't a feeling that you feel. That means that I can be in non-peaceful situations and still be at peace. That means that I can be in the face of something that's not peaceful. Oh, you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that went into a fiery furnace and were in there chilling because they had someone with them. There was another in the fire. They were at peace in a situation that was far from peaceful. Healing is peaceful. That means even though I'm facing circumstances that are not congruent with the very definition of peace, I can still be at peace. Both healing and peace come from a person. 
Because one, while one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, another one of his names is Jehovah Shalom. In other words, the God of peace. And since they both come, to, come from a person, that means that peace is not always about subtraction of pain. Sometimes it's about addition. That means that peace has to get added to you by the one who can provide it. The very prince of peace himself. It's not about God take this away. Maybe we need to change our prayers. Maybe we need to stop asking for God to take something away and tell him to start adding something to it. Because we're asking for him to take something away so much that we, don't, we, that we forget the fact that he can add something to it to make it even better. They didn't ask for the fire to be burned, the, the fire to go away. They said, even if we, I mean, even if he don't save us, I mean, we're still not bowing to you. But you can ask God for addition of peace. And God's provision for peace for us is always under attack. But the worst thing to see, and I hate seeing this, and it breaks my heart. The worst thing to see is people who have been made well wish they were still wounded. The worst thing to see is people who have been made well wish they were still wounded. Why? Because it's not that the pain felt good. It's just that I've gotten familiar with it. It's not that I like the limp. It's not that I like the injury that brought me the limp. It's just I got used to walking with it. I got used to walking with this limp. I got used to adjusting to the pain. I got used to seeing other people through the perception of my pain. I got used to trusting nobody. I got used to blaming other people for my trauma. I got used to it. It's not that I like it. And the more that we get used to it, the less that we stop praying for it. Naaman went on a possibility, on a hope and a prayer. But I believe that God is saying to somebody that he wants to take what you've gotten used to and put something else in his place. He wants to add that peace. The condition that you've grown familiar with is about to get a facelift. It's time for a pain replacement surgery. See, it makes sense to me that peaceful is healing. I mean, that healing is peaceful because disease is literally dis-ease. Dis-ease in the mind, the body, or the spirit. Dis-ease. Healing has to be peaceful because disease is the opposite of it. Healing has to be peaceful. Name and experience this peaceful healing. I'm going to show you. Verse 14, could you pull that up for me? It says, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Do y'all see, do y'all see that, the peace in that? Let me illustrate it like this. So he went down and dipped in the Jordan seven times according to the, the, the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored, period. No, there's not a period there. It says that his flesh was restored, but not only there, God could have stopped there. God could have stopped by giving him his skin back. But with God, you always get more than what you came for. The Bible says that his skin was restored like the flesh of a little child. Naaman was a grown man. That means that God restored his skin back to a condition that it wouldn't have been if Naaman didn't have leprosy in the first place. When you got God, he's always going to give you more than what you came for. When you've got God, when you drink for him for healing, he's going to give you more than what you came for. I believe that somebody today is going to experience healing. I believe that there's no accident that we've been talking about fertility for the last two weeks because I believe that somebody is going to do something in somebody's marriage in this month, in this series, in their, in their fertility, in their wound. God is going to give you more than what you came for. And if you believe it, if you're ready for it, I just want you to wave at me. 
Just wave at me. If you want God to do more than what you came for, just wave at me. Just wave. Just wave. Just wave. God, you see these hands. God, you see these people who are ready for a miracle. God, if you're the God of miracles, then God, I pray that you would come get your glory. Come get your glory. Come throw your weight around in this room. God, would you see the people that want something from you? God, and then outdo it. God, overdo it. God, do it in a way that only you can get the credit for it. God, do it in a way that only you can get the glory for it. Father, in their marriage, God, in their, in their union, God, in their body, God, in their mind, I pray for healing right now. Woo. Point number three, we got to deal with some you stuff. We got to deal with some you stuff. You've got to die to heal. You've got to die to heal. Now, I know that sounds a little morbid because there may be some people in the room that are dealing with something terminal. But I don't know which point is more, most important, but I'm leaning towards this one. We're talking about how to identify healing. We're talking about what it looks like for you. We're talking about the heavenliness of healing. But now we've got to deal with some you stuff. Verse number nine says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent the messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal this leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he went and turned away in a rage. Naaman almost missed his moment because he was mad at the method. Naaman was mad at the method. Let me take you back on that journey. The 328 miles, did you know where he had to pass to get to the Jordan? Damascus. What Naaman was saying is, didn't I already pass by better options before coming all the way here? And if, if we're being honest, that's exactly how we are with God. God, go to, go to therapy. Therapy? Couldn't we just have had a conversation? Couldn't we just, couldn't you just do, couldn't, this is Naaman's problem. Naaman thought that there were better options that he had already passed than the ones that he had gotten. Naaman almost missed his moment because he was mad at the method and not focused on the message. Are not the Abana and the Farpar better than this? But God, this is dirty. But God, this, this water is, this, this isn't great water. He made two critical errors. The first one was thinking that Elisha would come out to him. That's entitlement. I'm the commander of the army. Why wouldn't the prophet come out and meet me? Entitlement. And then the second crucial error that Naaman made is that he was focused on the water. Naaman missed, almost missed his moment because he thought the power was in the water. And the power wasn't in the water. The power was in the word. The power was not in the water. The power was in the word. It didn't matter that it came through somebody else. But here, this is to show you how good God is. Because with God, you can't never miss a moment with him. With God, he won't let you miss a moment. If God got to send it through a prophet who sends his messenger, who gets it to your circle, and then your circle gets it to you, he's going to get it to you. Because what's for you is what's for you. And God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Listen, what is your circle like? Because in verse 13, this is what saved it. His homie saved him. I don't know if you got these kind of friends, but you better go get you some. Says, and the servants came near to him. This is his service, so I imagine they kind of came up to him. They ain't like just like, you know, you know, big step up to him. You know what I mean? I figured they were just like, <laughs> Psst. question, a little question for you. Hey. Hey, hey, Mr. Naaman. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, if, if the prophet had told you to do something hard, I mean, I mean I'm, 
I'm not trying to be disrespectful, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to, you know, ask you. If the prophet had told you to do something great, would, 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 you, would you not have done it? I mean, we already traveled this far. If he would have told you to go 300 more miles, would you have gone? If he would have told you to climb a mountain, would you climb? He said, if he would have told you to do something great, would you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, watch, wash and be clean? See, his circle got it. Watch this. They understood that the power was in the word. They said, if the prophet had told you to do something great, not if he did something for you. He said, if they told you to do something great, how much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean? Why? They understood that because they were the servants of a commander. They understood how the word works. They said, when the, when the commander gives a word, it has to be so. When the commander gives a word, that's enough. As a matter of fact, there's another story in the Bible about another commander. I couldn't help but be reminded. This was the centurion. He was a commander in the Roman army. And, 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 and he got it right. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 8, verse 5 through 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to this one, come, and he comes. And my servant do this, and he does. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, even in all of Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down at the, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion go your way as you have believed so let it be done for you and his servant was healed that very same hour his Naaman's friends saved his moment they said so 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 if the prophet had told you to do something how much more when he says to you to do something. And Naaman figured it out then. Said, oh, if dipping in the water is all I got to do, then I better not quit before I dip. <laughs> I'm not going back home empty-handed. I, I came all this way. I came this far. I might as well see if it's worth something. I brought this money. I brought these clothes. I don't got no more clothes to change into. I might as well just take them off and go dip because the pain of change is not going to be worse than the pain of staying the same. His servants knew that. His servants knew that limp I referred to. It's like, would you rather deal with the pain of change so that you can walk normally or would you rather deal with the pain of staying the same because you're familiar with it? Because you're familiar with it. The power wasn't in the water. Power was in the word. So when I say you got to die to heal, what do I mean? There's some things that you got to die to to heal properly. We're like, God, when will you eliminate this problem? And he's like, son, as soon as you eliminate your pride. God, when will you kill the situation? He's like, as soon as you kill your entitlement because you think I owe you something. There's a difference between entitlement and expectancy. See, when, I, when I'm entitled, I think God owes it to me. When I'm expected, I just know that he's able to do it. We have confused the two. We think that when we're expecting something from God, that it's because he owes it to us. No, but the expectancy actually means, God, I know that you're able and I know that you're willing, so I'm going to wait for it. But when you become entitled, that's when you say, God, you owe it to me. This is mine. This is mine. And he's like, if it's yours, then why ain't you give it to yourself? I'm just saying. If you come this far, 
you might as well put on the humility. You might as well open up your heart. You might as well open up obedience. It might be messy. It might be dirty. The water might not be the best, but I ain't worried about the method because I'm focused on the message. I know in Isaiah 55, he said that his word shall go forth out of his mouth and not return to him void. It shall do what you please and prosper where you send it. I know that God's word works. I know that his word works. So I'm going to trust his word. I'm not going to worry about the water. I'm going to trust his message. I'm not going to worry about the method. If he tells me to go to counsel in 20 times, I'm going to counsel in 20 times because since he said it, it has to be and it cannot return to him void. So I choose to rock with God's word. Is there anybody in the room that chooses to rock with his word? If I got to die to my pride, so be it. If I got to change my clothes 10 times, so be it. If I got to keep moving, so be it. If I got to die to my entitlement, so be it. Because I know and fully understand that that pain of change is not going to be worse than the pain of staying the same. As the band comes up, I want to close with a few thoughts. And then I just want to give you some charges. I understand that that pain hurts, but can I encourage you with something? Healing doesn't mean that the hurt never happened. Healing means that the hurt doesn't hinder you. Healing doesn't mean that Naaman never had leprosy. Healing just means that he got, a, he's got his flesh restored like the flesh of a little child. We're talking about the anatomy of healing. Healing is made up of his word. And his hand provides it. But I don't want to focus on his hand and miss his heart. I refuse to focus on his hand and miss his heart for healing. So Jesus, whether you provide it now or later, because I know that sometimes miracles are prompt, but sometimes miracles are progressive. And I'm asking God for, for healing. I'm asking God for healing. And sometimes he provides me with a product, but other times he provides me with a process. And if I got to go through that process, then so be it. If I got to walk through that process, then so be it. If it's an altar call, I'm going. If it's counseling, I'm going. If it's a date night, I'm going. If it's a conversation, I'm having it. If it's a new job, I'm going. I've come this far. I didn't pass by better options. If I passed by better options, he would have stopped me at them. If I passed by better options, he would have stopped me at them. He would have sent me to the Abana. He would have sent me to the Far Par. He sent me to the Jordan. So if I'm at the Jordan, that's where I'm dipping. And I'm not going to quit before I dip. I'm not going to quit before I dip. I got to dip four times. I'm dipping. If I got to dip, change my clothes, then dip again. I'm dipping. If I got to dip, change my clothes, dip again, change my clothes, dip again, change my clothes. I'm not quitting before I dip because I know that God has provided something for me that only he can provide. If it's a product, I'll take it. If it's a product like medication, I'll take it. If it's a process like counseling, I'm going. We all got things we need to heal from. We got things we need to heal from. We all got a comma, but. We all got a comma, but. Your, 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 your thing may just be a little different than the person that you're sitting next to. Some of us need to heal from decisions that we made for ourselves. But I can tell you that you are not your decision. You're not the divorce. You're not the abortion. You're not the infidelity. You're not the person that walked away from God because you're back and you're home. And God chooses to call you who you are now. Let the Lord restore to you Whatever it is that needs to be restored. 
but don't only let him restore it. I believe that today God wants to restore something to you in a way that you have never had it before. So in, we're getting, we're giving beauty, we're getting beauty for ashes. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God is a bad businessman. I love the fact that he would rather trade stuff that, 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 that doesn't benefit him. That benefits you for his relationship with you. Beauty for ashes. Mourning for dancing. Sorrow for joy. God, that's not a fair trade for you. He's like, don't worry about it. I didn't ask you to equate the trade. I asked you to receive it. There's somebody in the room that needs healing. I know for a fact. And I'm crazy enough to believe and declare that you're going to heal. Here's why I need you to heal. 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 Heal so you can stop making people who didn't cause your trauma pay for your trauma. Heal so you can stop trying to keep your head above water and start walking on water with Jesus. Heal so you can stop, so you can let the, the callus of calamity fall and reveal the call that God has for you. Heal so you can stop using work to escape and avoid your issues. Heal so you can stop seeing people through the perception of your pain. Heal so you can stop beating yourself up for decisions that you made years ago. Heal because freedom looks good on everybody. I don't know one person that freedom doesn't look good on. Freedom is one size fits all and it makes you look good. So heal. I need you to heal. We need you to heal. Your leprosy is starting to, it's starting to show how bad it is to other people. It's noticeable. It's bleeding over into the people in your community. We can see it. Stop trying to put clothes over it. The pain is falling out of your sleeves anyway. Heal. Because your family depends on it. Heal. Because it's the difference. It's the difference between a generational curse and a generational blessing. Heal so your kids don't have to deal with the same thing that you did. Because my son that's in my wife's stomach is going to be a better man than me. So I'm committed to healing. I'm healing if it hurts. I'm healing if it hurts. I'm healing if I got a struggle. I'm healing if it hurts. I'm healing if it hurts. Because he needs me. She needs me. I'm not my condition. And you aren't either. But I believe that God wants you to heal. I believe that healing is your portion. <laughs> I believe that we weren't just made to endure life, but we were made to enjoy it. <laughs> and some of you need healing to enjoy it. But others of you need to understand that you can enjoy it even if you don't get the healing. <sighs> Thank you, Daddy. Oh. Is anybody ready to heal? Would you stand to your feet? Oh. God's not going to let you miss a moment. And as long as I'm standing here and standing up here with a microphone, I'm not going to let you miss one either. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to pry. I'm not going to pry. You know what you need. You knew what you needed when you walked in here. You knew what you needed when we got through the worship set. You knew what you needed when my shell started testifying. You knew what you needed when the word started. You knew what you needed. If you need healing for anything at all, I want you to meet me down here at the front. Just get up and move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care how many people come down here. Just come, just come, just come, just come, just come down. Come down, come down, come down, come down. 
Come down, come down, come down. Come in tight, make space. This is your community, these are your people. And I gotta die to some things to heal. But one thing I'm not gonna do is let each, I'm not gonna let you die. I'm not gonna let you die alone. We're gonna do it together. Yeah. The God of miracles, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God, I believe in you. God, I'm crazy enough to get up here with a microphone and declare that somebody's fertility is going to be healed this month. Somebody's going to conceive this month. Somebody's going to conceive. I don't believe that you move in irony, Lord. God, I'm crazy enough to believe that somebody's body is going to be healed. Somebody's body's going to be healed this month, Lord. This month. Lord, this was their walk. This was their walk to the Jordan. I pray that if they got more instructions than God, you give it to them. If they need to dip, then let them dip. Point them where they need to go. Wow. Wow. I love y'all so much. And we're going to do this together because we're better together. We're better together. If one can chase a 1,000 and two can chase 10,000, I don't know about y'all, but that math doesn't add up. But it just goes to show how much better we are together, and we're going to fight this together. This is a place at Embassy City Church that we believe that you can belong here way before you believe the right things or behave the right way. You don't got to be in a certain state to get healing. I believe that Jesus... Naaman was the commander of a Syrian army, not an Israeli one. And still, at the end of it all, the healing was not just for him. Naaman's victory was victory for everybody else. Because now as the commander of the Syrian army, imagine how much power and how much influence he had. And he said, now I know that there is no God except the one in Israel. God did it for him to get it through him. And I believe that God wants to do it for you to get it through you too. There's some people in your family. You're down here right now and you don't even know who you're about to touch. You're down here right now and God's going to do healing in your life and you think that it's just going to be a blessing to you and your family. But God is like, this is going to be a blessing to you, somebody else's family, and somebody else's generation. They're going to say that one day I encountered you and I heard your story. And that story was enough for me to keep going. That story was enough for me to not quit. So if you're down here at the altar, I just want you to lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, these are they. These are your people. Lord, we all need something. God, I'm not smart enough or in tune enough to know what everybody needs. But God, I know that there are some broken hearts that need to be healed. God, I know that there are some broken spirits that need to be uplifted. God, there are some decision makers who made poor decisions and who are actively making poor decisions that need to be healed from those. They know they can't do it on their own. They know they can't do it on their own. They need your help. So God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would send a word. Just like you did for the centurion, God, you would send a word. God, you are powerful enough to send a word through a messenger. God, I will be that messenger. Send a word to your people and let them be healed. Let relationships be healed. Let friendships be healed. Let, let, let marriages be healed. Let bodies be healed. Let minds be healed. God, let people who are struggling with things that they don't have answers for, God, give them an answer and then give them an answer for that answer. God, in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.